Hey everyone, welcome back to the Where If You Take You podcast. I am Kayla Bowker and here with my co-host Aaron Oliphant. We are back this week. We took a short break last week just because of the holiday. It seems like sometimes around holidays, it's kind of hard for us to get our schedules <laughs> correct with <laughs> taking time off and everything. And next thing you know, all of a sudden it was Thursday and we hadn't recorded. So uh, we are back this week to answer your questions, talk about triathlon, life, and everything in between. As a reminder, you can send us questions at www.wherefeettakeyou.com slash podcast. We love getting your questions. It allows us to provide you with the topics you want to hear, content you want to um, learn about, and yeah, gives us stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to dive right in because I have to go pick up the kids right after this so we're we're on a little bit of a, a time crunch today but um Aaron how's it going how's your weekend how's your holiday for your fourth of July yeah uh everything's going good for the fourth I was able to get up to my boyfriend's family's cabin in Pine Top um which is about three hours east of Phoenix um and got to do some downhill mountain biking and got to drive the side by side which was super fun really starting to enjoy mountain biking actually and then this weekend I just kind of relaxed so everything's going pretty good how about you Kayla I haven't gotten into mountain biking yet I think it's because I have this like when I was in high school I was I was kind of getting into mountain biking and I got a little bit like adventurous and went over this really skinny little like tree bridge and misjudged it and fell into a creek and hit my head and gave myself a concussion Ooh. And ever since then, I just didn't really love mountain biking. <laughs> I don't blame you. So, I don't know what I think. I definitely have a mental block first... with it. But gravel biking, road biking, you name it. <laughs> the so, first few times um, I mountain bike, I cried a lot because I was scared of getting injured. But I also know it's my boyfriend's like favorite activity to do. So I just kept pushing myself to like it. And now I like it. So it worked. <laughs> mountain biking, I think, is one of those the more you do it, the more that you just are comfortable with it. And then the more you're going to like it. I'll stick with For gravel sure. biking, which you can still kind of get a little bit chaotic with gravel biking if you really go in some places. But yeah, uh, I'm doing good. I am on a little bit of a two day forced rest, which has been mentally kind of challenging. I have been really, really struggling with running like really struggling, like where I bombed almost all my long runs. Um, and by bombed, I literally mean like will walk for 10 minutes in the middle of it or have to I have a two hour run and I only make it 45 minutes. And or I like I had a, this weekend, I had a 90 minute endurance run. Like it's just supposed to be in, it's endurance. And I couldn't get my heart rate above 120. I started walking after 30 minutes, like every two minutes, I could barely run eight 50 minute miles. Like, and for me, that's extremely, extremely slow. And I like my, I've been hit or miss on whether I hit a session or not. I, I don't know, there's just something going on with running. And we've kind of tried a couple of things, changing when I run, changing the types of runs. I've been, you know, making sure that I'm getting more calories in and we increase the running, we decrease the running. We have like, Right, we've kind of tried all the things. So finally, my coach is like, "We just have you got to back off. We got you're done. No break." Like she removed. My, I had a brick session that I was supposed to do, and I um, she put me on complete forced do nothing for two days in hopes that it 
resets my system or I just needed the rest. Like the, we've been, we trained very different this time around. We did a really big FTP building block on the bike. And so while my volume hasn't necessarily been any higher than in past, like I've only been doing like 18 to 20 hours, which on for a lot of professionals, it's actually fairly low, you know, the kind of average is around like 24 to 25. And even last year, I was, my average was about 22. It's not necessarily, but the, the, it's been just a lot harder. And so she's hoping that maybe we just hit a point where I just, I need a little bit more time to recover, combine that with the heat. Oh, we don't know. I don't know. So we're, I don't know, hoping that this works. The heat can take a big toll on you, even if you're not necessarily training in it. It just takes your body Mm -hmm. time to adapt to. I mean, my first summer here, I'd go several days where I just felt like I had no energy and I wasn't necessarily exercising in the heat during those times. But I do think it takes the body some time to get used to. I agree. And Brandon, my husband actually said the same thing. He's like, you know, think about it. Like, yeah, you maybe aren't, you're training hard and, but then, and you're doing it in the heat for the most part. I mean, I do some of my weekday sessions inside just because of timing. Um, But then you come home and the kids want to go do something. They want, they want to go play golf outside or we go to the pool. So you're not just coming home and sitting inside doing nothing. You're going back out into the heat because I, I, that's what I have to do. Right. I have kids. Like, don't really have a choice unless I want to do nothing with my children, which is just not how I parent. That's not how I want to be a mom. I want, I want to go to the pool. So yeah, we're, we know that definitely, I think you're right. I think that's a piece that maybe I'm just a, you know, re- needing to readapt to and it's just causing me to be drained. So I have done a whole lot of nothing this weekend. I stayed out of the sun almost all weekend besides sat. Yeah. Even well, Saturday I did a swim um, after I failed my run before before my coach put my put me on rest and then sat, sunday i even took a nap and i don't nap ever so i took a nap i only went outside into the sun for an hour and that's when i went to the pool with the kids and today i have just worked and i've done stay out of the sun i'm really going for it because if this doesn't work <laughs> then something else is wrong i'm embracing it in hopes that it works. I think it's really good that you're listening to your body though and not just trying to keep going and keep going and keep going and doing the miles even if it's slow and that you're taking a break and trying different things to try and get it figured out. And so I think, you know, that's a really good point is is, you know, we're at this point where we've we've looked at a couple of different things and I am getting my I am going to be getting blood work done because at some point you're just guessing unless you really look at what physiologically is going on. So I do have blood work scheduled to get done, but we've tried a couple of different things and those haven't worked. And so my body is obviously telling me something. There comes a point where just pushing through it, you're just going to dig yourself into a deeper hole. And I have some big races for me coming up and we've worked really hard to get myself ready for these races. And I, I want to be able to perform at them. And if I, I don't embrace this, then I could potentially, you know, ruin some stuff down the line. You know, it's just a really good good reminder for myself, good reminder for everybody that, it, again, that whole idea of um, really embracing the moment of life that you're living at this right now. And that's where you have to embrace and go all in on that. And, you know, it being, I, we've talked about it in the past before, is being a thousand percent dedicated doesn't mean 
going a thousand percent. It just means being a hundred percent dedicated to what you are doing in this moment and what your body and what you need mentally, emotionally, and physically. And so I had to like, really like sit down and be like, okay, Kayla, this is okay. This is you honoring your body and allowing yourself space to do what you need in order to be better. So fingers crossed it works because I I'm really wanting to race and, but if it doesn't work, we might have to think about not doing it. And I don't want to think about that right now. That's my weekend. That's where I'm at in life. I kind of feel I've been glued to my office chair all day and I'm like a little bit stir crazy. And I feel like all I've done is eat and work and stare at my computer all day. And I don't hey, love you're eating. That's good. <laughs> Especially if you that feel like your energy has been low. I feel like eating a lot is a really good thing. Yeah. That's actually a, a good point because like I, it's a good point for a lot of people because a lot of times we get to this space where we don't do like, maybe we take a couple days off or we get sick and we take a week off or, or, or injured or whatever. And, and a lot of times what happens and I, like my first thought today, like I've been really hungry today. All I've wanted to do is eat. And I was like, well, Kayla, you're not doing anything. You should be like cautious about what you eat. And then I was like, that's stupid. No, that's not going to help you eat your food get calories in because you need energy. Your body is obviously either overworked or overtired or whatever and needs energy to kind of get back into things. And sitting here and restricting the amount of calories that I'm consuming isn't going to benefit me. And we have a tendency to go that direction. Yeah. And especially since you said you're doing way more FTP type work, which is going to be higher intensity stuff, your carb need is probably way up. So you definitely want to be eating right now. But yeah, other than that, that's what I've been doing. I did get to go on a really awesome ride. I rode out on um, the Usury Pass mountain, whatever it's called, that you um, always talk about <laughs> and do all your rides. And, and I am so in love. That route is awesome. I love it so much. And you get a little bit of everything. There's some long climbs in there. There's some rolling hills. It's gorgeous. The bike lanes are paved so well. It's by far my favorite. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I, I didn't get past, so I, I started to go past like the area where you, um, to get back over to like the McDowell area, but you were mm-hmm. right. That one area that doesn't have a bike lane that had like three huge trucks with boats come by me. And I, it just was like, nope, nope, hands up, yeah. can't do it. Uh, so I turned around and I just basically did loops like to, to the Seguro uh, lake kind of, and then up, I did three rat loops of the, the usury mountain and totally loved it. So much fun. Awesome. It's great Good. writing. It's my favorite. Great we'll have to do it together at some point. Yes. Yeah. Especially, you know, here in the next couple, whatever's hopefully, but well, um, before we run out of time here, now we've been chatting, um, let's get to some of our questions. We've had, um, some really great ones. And we're going to start off with, um, we had a question come through on Instagram. I apologize. I didn't write down who it was from, but they had a question on, is the water bottle down the tri kit worth it? So for those of you that pay attention to triathlon, one of the things that you've been seeing lately is people putting a water bottle down their tri kit or a bladder, like a camelback bladder down their tri kit. And the point of it is to make you more aerodynamic, um, and it really is supposed to allow, not have like a big, you know, wind gap. I'm going to butcher that, but wind sucking wind air um, in bit kind of like a vortex um, through your arms and everything. And is it worth it? Technically, technically, it 
tests very fast in wind tunnels and everything. But I think you and I are on the same page. We think it's a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, I think it looks ridiculous. Um, I also have some boobs and some tummy weight. Not a ridiculous amount, but that kind of makes up for the arrow bottle, I feel. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there. I'm good. (laughs) You just need boobs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, No, and I also, I do think that probably will be banned in the upcoming years, I think, at Challenge Roth. They did not allow pros to stick anything down their kit um, for safety concerns. Um, I'm not really sure what safety hazard it causes, but I do know people say there's a safety concern. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the safety concern on that is either. Um, I know that it's called a fairing, and, and I'd have to look up the exact definition of what a fairing is. And it's basically just a way to improve your mechanics, I guess. Um, They can, not cheating, but kind of cheating um, a little bit. And those can be banned. I just feel like it'd be super uncomfortable, honestly. I I agree. Arrow's already uncomfortable enough as it is. And I'm so slow in transitions already. I feel like it would not be worth the extra time for me to like put it in and worry about taking it back out. And I'm not good with zippers. And especially when I get like nervous or antsy in the setting and I'm trying to hurry and my hands get all shaky, there's no way I'd be able to like get that in in a reasonable amount of time. So I think for me, it's not worth it. But for some people and some pros out there, it might be. (laughs) Well, and I was listening to a podcast with Joe Skipper, who's a male professional. And he was saying that like at Ironman Texas or wherever he used it, it like slipped all the way down. And so then he had it like in his crotch. <laughs> I was like, probably oh. just can't be comfortable. <laughs> like, There's no way that's comfortable. No. <laughs> so is it worth it? Technically, aerodynamically, it tests faster. It technically is faster, but it just doesn't seem like it would be worth it to me personally. I mean, I but mean, each zone. It's definitely not for me, um, but I also still have so much to worry about with my aerodynamics. Like I was looking at pictures of my bike from Coeur d'Alene and I had my like little snack pack just sitting on my back, sticking straight out. Oh <laughs> like, my that goodness. That definitely should have gone on my stomach. <laughs> so I have some other things to worry about first before right. I start worrying about shoving stuff down my dry suit. Ah, uh, Yeah. I do think, and so, you know, that we could kind of like go into a little bit like aerodynamic wise, there are other things that you can do, like buying an aero helmet um, is is definitely an easy way to um, be more aerodynamic. A bike fit is going to be better for you um, than maybe like getting a really good bike fit where you're comfortable and confident um, can be really key and um, race wheels, Wheels. carbon wheels. Yep. Wheels make a huge difference, you know. So those are kind of some of the things that you can definitely do without shoving a bottle down in your kit. Though, I yeah, will and that say... that won't look very you, cool in pictures. No. <laughs> but if you do, like, lose a bottle or something and you need yes. to... And it's a really hot, like, shove it down there. Like, I have, there are plenty of pros that do that um, if you need to, like, if you lose a water bottle and, or, or your, like, arrow bottle... Some part of your air bottle breaks, then that would be something to do. But personally, I'm not for it. Uh, but thank you for the question. We appreciate it. Um, okay. 
Yeah. And so then Tina Perez um, has had a question on Ironman Arizona. So she is doing Ironman Arizona this year, and she wanted to know our tips for the course, how to prepare, and what we think of it. Um, I thought this was a great one because I've raced Arizona twice now, three t- technically three times. I got hit by a car one year in mile six and didn't get to go very far in it, but uh, two to two and a half, two and a quarter times. Um, and then Aaron, you train in the area, train in the area for a lot of years. So yeah. Ironman Arizona, it's at the end of November. Weather... I think it's the beginning of November, isn't it? No, end. It's Is like it right end? Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, the I week, don't need week, to do It's it. always the weekend before. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the weekend before Thanksgiving. Um, okay. It would, be a good, it would be a good course for you because you know the area. It's fast. Yeah. It's, yeah. Kayla, I don't have eight hundred dollars right now. Don't encourage me. <laughs> don't encourage you. <laughs> um. Anyway, so my tip. <laughs> um, I would say when you're riding the beeline, don't back off going down back towards yes. the village. Um, I think a lot of times when you're climbing up, you're like putting so much effort in, and then you get to the downhill and you view it as a rest. But that's actually where you're going to lose a lot of time. You want to kind of average the same watts up the hill as you do down the hill. Great advice. Because even though it is downhill, it's it's not like if you coast, you are going to be slow. And it, I always like to tell people that the, the, the bike is tricky, is sneakier than you anticipate. Because even though it's not steep, you go uphill for like 12 miles. Because um, the beeline is basically either going up like a false flatty type up or you're going down it. Right. And, uh, 98% of the time that you have a headwind going up, which means it's going to be harder. Um, and so yeah, not coasting downhill. You can make up a lot of time if you keep pressure on the pedals and really kind of use the downhill, um, to your benefit. So I think that's great advice. Definitely. Then definitely be prepared for wind. Always windy. On the line. My other tip that comes straight to my head is try everything you can not to drink Tempe Town Lake. That water <laughs> is not particularly clean. I know people who have gotten sick from accidentally choking on it. Um, so if mm-hmm. you need to be a little further away from people to make sure you do not drink that water, I would recommend it. Yeah, it's not the cleanest of water. Take some Imodium beforehand. If you are somebody who has maybe a touchy stomach or Imodium in, uh, in, in T1, mm-hmm. that can kind of just stop things up a little bit. Because um, you're right, it is a little bit of a yucky. It's very dark, very brown. You won't be able to see your hand in front of your face. So it's, it's, it's very murky. So you definitely be prepared for how murky it is. But I don't know. I love, I love Ironman Arizona. It's one of my absolute, maybe it's because it was my first one and there's something about, but there's something about the vibe at Ironman Arizona that is just so awesome. I think it's because it's like one of the last ones in North America for the year. Um, and the, the um, run course is very spectacular. I know I've said this on, I know I said this on the podcast before, but the main thing I can remember from last year's Ironman Arizona is Aaron sprinting <laughs> down, yelling at me that I needed to run faster. It's my main memory from last year <laughs> from, from Ironman Arizona. Um, I just she she I can just I can still see it in my head. 
were on the backside, like just past those apartments, um, and you were just hauling ass, <laughs> like yelling at well, me. Because I knew I needed to get up the stairs to like actually see you, because I wanted to see you at the turnaround. I don't remember the exact reason. But then I wanted to see you again with where Brandon, your husband, was standing. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I need to run faster than her so I can get up the stairs. But uh, I think you all know Kayla is a way faster runner than me, even at mile 18 <laughs> of an Ironman. So <laughs> I was basically all out sprinting to do that. But that is one of my favorite memories. So, um, But with that, on, on the run course, it is very, it's very spectator friendly, but there's also a very lonely section. Um, so like where, what the space spot Aaron was talking about, there's very few people out there. You go kind of around, like by these apartment buildings, um, and there's not a lot of people out there. So you have to be very prepared, um, for a bit of a section of it, like probably two to maybe three miles of, um, it being very lonely, um, and just being mentally prepared for that. And you, you go through that section three times two times i can't remember the three loop or two loop course uh three um, i believe it's three um right. but you can also send your friends and family out there there are scooters all yes. around tempe that they can take to get there and That's it's true. like a five minute scooter <laughs> ride from the village so yep or probably like a 20 minute run pro tip pending yeah <laughs> um but yeah so i think you know from from a prep standpoint weather-wise it's actually usually pretty darn perfect never really too hot um actually the mornings can be pretty cool um windy on the bike run very rarely gets too hot but from a tip standpoint my biggest one is be prepared for headwind on the bike aaron's tip of um staying on the pedals um on the downhills is 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 gold because it's so key and and then being very aware because you are on three loop course and the it gets crowded so being prepared for that and you know making sure that you're vocal about you coming up behind people being courteous of those people um knowing that you know maybe there's faster people coming up behind you and just being very um aware of that um and then for the run it's um mostly fairly flat um you do have a couple of like punchy uphills and then a kind of a long false flat section that's again on that back section um, before you make a left-hand turn to go downhill and back towards where all the people are. But that's always like my favorite piece. I always told myself, like, I just have to get to the top of this little hill and then I make the turn and then I'm headed towards where like all the cheer, the cheer squads are and the music is pumping and blaring and there's energy and you just have to get back to that. Yeah, I like, talking it. about IMAS is making me want to do IMAS. So, uh, Amy Oliphant, if you're listening to this <laughs> podcast episode, I know I'll financially support your daughter. Shoot me a text. Right. <laughs> I told you I'm a bad influence on people. <laughs> Good or bad. I don't know. I guess it depends on how you want to look at it. So, well, Tina, uh, hopefully that helped. A um, few tips on Ironman Arizona. Um I'm sad they don't have a pro field this year. Oh, up. there's no pro field? No, not this year. They're only oh. having Cozumel have a pro field. I don't. I never know why they don't have Ironman Arizona have a pro field every single year because the last one in North America minus Cozumel. And people love it. It's a great course and the energy is always fabulous. And so I think it should always have a pro field. But what do I know? Well, we'll need to create the best cheer section ever for all our athletes and supporters out yes. there on the course if you're not racing it. We we can do that. So 
we will be out there. Awesome. Okay. Um, and then we had a question from Sophia. And she had a question on how to handle getting back into training after sickness. So she just said she recently um, got really sick. Or not really sick, but she just said sick. And she's feeling good now, but wondering how to ease back into training. I think this is kind of a loaded question because there's a lot of different ways to do it. And it really depends. I, it does really depend. And I think the biggest thing is probably just continually listening to your body and communicating how you're feeling with your coach would yeah. be my biggest piece of advice in really any sick situation. But I think a lot of how you get back into it is going to depend on what type of sickness you had to and what you were able to do during that time you were sick. Yeah, because sometimes, honestly, you just maybe need a day easy and you can jump right back into it. Sometimes you can just jump right back into it and you're fine. Other times you need one, two, three weeks of like easy, easy training, low volume, low intensity, um, and it, so it really just kind of depends and you have to listen to kind of listen to your body the most yeah. kind of what we talked about at the very beginning when you were like it's good you know you're listening to your body that's how you should be doing it that's that's where you have to focus um yeah if you're really really and sick, i think a lot like of the times in the lungs that's when you should be more concerned about it i think yeah i think when it's in the lungs or if you were throwing up and or unable to eat um because if you were throwing up and not able to hold any calories down for the last three days, coming back to training is going to look a bit different because you're going to have to take in a lot of calories when you're able to to start getting energy to train. Because if you've had zero calories for three days, you're not going to have energy and training's just going to put you into a bigger hole. Correct. Yeah. So really looks at what what was the sickness? How did it affect me? You know, what what how did I respond to that sickness? Um, like you said, did I not eat? Did I lose weight? Did I not drink anything? Did I, um, you know, because I've had sometimes I've been sick. I actually came out of it on the better end because it was almost like a forced rest. Um, but then other mm-hmm. times where I've, you know, been vomiting for 48 hours and you basically have to just, you know, run walk or one hour easy endurance ride and until you can feel that energy and you kind of recoup your glycogen stores. And so... Yeah, it really kind of just depends. So listening to your body, communicating with yourself and your coaches. Thanks for that question, Sophia. It's a good one. Okay. We had a question that popped through and you it was received by you on wetsuits, um, on how they fit or no, how to tell when they fit better. That's, I didn't word that right at all. No. <laughs> it's okay. Just how do you know if a wetsuit fits correctly? Um. So, fun story, (laughs) I recently bought a new long sleeve wetsuit and just didn't get around to trying it on in the 30-day return window period. And I put it on and hopped in the water, and it was very obviously too big. Um, So, my first tip for when you purchase a wetsuit is try it on and get in the water in, like, the return and exchange window. Like, I know Blue 70 has a really good return policy where, like... Even if you've tried it on in the water, if it's been within their 30-day window, you can exchange it for a different size if it ends up being too large or too small. Um, I am dumb, and that did not happen for me. Um, I think one way to tell it's too big is if there's, like, extra gaping in the back. Like, if your wetsuit is not pressed against your back, um, it's probably too big. That's what happened to me. Um, A way to tell it's 
it's too small is if you feel super restricted in your shoulders or if your neck and chest are compressed to the point where you feel like you can't get air in, um, that's probably too tight for you. But yeah, too big is if you have that gaping in the back or just extra wetsuit material kind of around your body. There shouldn't really be any extra material at all. And I, and get in the get in the pool and swim within the pool. That's how I told I was able to tell that a wetsuit was too big for me because it felt great when I was had it on. Like I didn't feel like it was gaping or anything. And then I got in the water, swam with it for about two k, and just noticed that I had like a lot of water pooling in uh, on my lower back and then like around my ankles. And so like huge amounts of water. So it was showing it was too big for me because similar that kind of that gaping that gaping piece. Get in the water, swim with it. Um, don't worry about looking like an idiot when you go to the pool and swimming in your wetsuit. Um, it, it's it's good to do, even in reality. Actually, you know, on a little bit of a side note with that, it's good to do, especially maybe at the beginning of the season if you haven't put your wetsuit on in a while, um, or before a race to get in the pool. If you don't have access to open water, which not not all of us do, um, you know, get in the pool and swim with it before um, so that you can loosen it up, get, you know, feel, get the feel of the wetsuit and those things um, beforehand so that you can, yeah, make sure everything still fits. And hey, you might have a really fast swim and you'll feel good about yourself. Yeah. You get a wetsuit on. Yeah. Always and if anyone wants to buy a Blue 70s Reaction Women's Large Wetsuit Long Sleeve, uh, I am selling one. And if you message me on Instagram, <laughs> I will sell it to you for very cheap. Perfect. There you go. You hear it here. <laughs> Reach out to Aaron if you're in need of a large. It was worn for a 20 minute practice swim in Lake Coeur d'Alene. There you go. <laughs> oh man, I have done that. I did that at Kona last year when I realized. I think you, well, you were there when I realized my swim oh, skin yeah. was way too swim big. Skin. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to buy a $400 swim skin. <laughs> yep. That was fun. But. Happens. It ended up Don't be lazy. Try on your stuff in advance. <laughs> exactly. Don't be like Aaron and Kayla. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Um, awesome. Well, thank you for that question. This is a good one. Um, this is from uh, Sophia again, and she had a question about when. And her question was along, not necessarily like when should you want, like if you qualify, how to qualify for your professional license as a triathlete, but when is it acceptable? to take your professional license. And I kind of thought that was interesting because I, my, my first like visceral reaction was, well, whenever you want. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, I think that kind of comes down to you and when you feel you're ready to. And I think that's really key because as someone who just recently made the jump from elite or from amateur to professional, it's definitely different. It's harder, it's faster. And there is no room for error and you kind of have to be ready. I think you have to mentally be ready for that. And her question was really based around the idea of like, well, I train a lot. I'm dedicated to my training. I'm a fairly, I'm a pretty high up there age grouper. And I would, I think that maybe becoming a professional would be kind of cool, but when is it like, I would like for my training to, is my training accepted enough? Yeah. I think for me, I think your training is always accepted enough because Everybody trains at different levels and there's plenty of professionals out there that you, especially when you first get into being a professional, you have to have a second job or, you know, you run a, you're a, run a coaching business like, like myself, or you, you, you continue working at your, your current job because let's, let me tell you guys, it's, it's hard out there as a rookie professional. You don't, it, 
at least I suck at it. I can't get, can't get sponsors. I'm very blessed and honored that Trace Pena stood up for me and said, Hey, we believe in you. We're going to sponsor you. Um, and you're in your rookie, in your rookie year, but all the other, you know, other places I've reached out to it's, it's, you know, Oh, we don't, your reach isn't high enough or you haven't had a good enough result. Like it's just, you're not there. And so you're supporting yourself. And because of that, that usually means you have to have another job. And so the amount of training that you're doing might not look the same as say a Chelsea Sodaro or a Paula Findlay who make a great living at it. And so I don't know if it should be looked at more from like a, is the amount of training I'm doing acceptable, but rather are you mentally, emotionally and prepared to put a passion, put, put the passion first because you're not going to make money. And you have to be ready for that. Yeah. And I would say that's when you should be ready. Some of the answer comes, I think some of that answer comes from like what you're looking for from becoming a professional. Like I personally want to be professional because I want to be pushed to be the best version of myself. Um, And right now I'm getting that in the age group field. So even if I were to earn my professional card right now, I would not take it. I don't plan on taking it for another three years because I think the age group field can continue to push me to be that best version of myself. But as soon as for me personally, that I think my running can be on a level where it's not embarrassingly bad and where I'm not being pushed um, in the age group field. I think for me, that's when I know it will be acceptable for me to go pros when I know like my swim and bike are good enough to back up the okay run, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great, great way to look at it. Cause I mean, that that's, that's how I, I looked at it. You know, for me, I was at a point where I was al- always winning and I was still put getting being pushed, but I didn't, I wanted more, right? I wanted, I wanted to be pushed even more. I wanted to be pushed even, I wanted to, I wanted to toe the line, even though, yes, I would love to love to have sponsors that help pay for this very expensive journey that I'm on. Um, and I would love to make some money from it. It's not why I do it. It really isn't. I just fucking love the sport. Like, I love pushing myself. I love, I love towing the line with the best of the best. I, it, it, I do it because I love it. And that's the end of the day where it, it, for me, it became, I, I wanted, I wanted to get more out of me and that meant taking that next step. And so I, I agree with you very much. I think that's where you have to really look as, is what do you want out of it? Where do you feel you are? And are you, are you comfortable with maybe not being the best anymore? It's a question you have to ask too, because while there are yeah. those amazing people, those Lucy Charles out there and everything who can just dive right into it and be amazing more often than not, it doesn't work that way. You go from amateur to professional and you, you come in 15th, 18th, right? You're not winning anymore. And that can be, you that might can be get hard. a DFL. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be hard. Just knowing yourself and whether that's going to still be enjoyable for you. Because I think for some people, being last or towards the bottom is not enjoyable. And if it's not enjoyable for you, then you might not want to do it. I, I really do think it comes down to your reason for doing triathlon. And how you can look at what does last mean to you, right? Yes. It, 
whether like, okay, yeah, I came in 18th or dead, dead last, but that all that does for me is create this space of excitement and curiosity to, well, then can next time, can I be better? What do I need to change? Right. That's what it, you know, that's what kind of this spring did for me is, I mean, I had a horrible race season way below my expectations and I easily could have been like, well, that, that sucks. I hate this. This is not what I want. Cause it's, I mean, it's not, I don't like coming 18th. It's not where I want to race, but it allowed me to sit down and say, I'm curious to see why, what, what can we change to not be this way anymore? You know? And so I think that's the other piece too, And um, is if you can be that person who is willing to say, I probably, I might be in last or middle of the pack for one, two, three years, but I'm, I'm excited to continue poking at the 1% to continually to grow and my time will come and I'm willing to be patient for that time. Um, you know, Sky Munch is a really good example of that um, because for a couple of years, I mean, she was constantly coming in 12, 14, 15, 16, kind of every once in a while I would top, top into the top 10, but she just, you know, kept pestering her way through it, making changes and now she's one of the best. So it just really depends on two, what you're willing, how you're willing to look at that positioning, what that means to you. But you do see a lot of athletes who go from winning to not winning and they make it a year or two because, right? They, they, they ask themselves that question that I just, it's not what I want anymore. And that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Um, so really, I think it's you asking yourself what is acceptable for you and what does that look like? is kind of the biggest piece. Are you curious about what it will do for you? Or do you still feel you have more to give in the space that you're in right now? I thought that was a really great question. Made me think at least. Um, So thank you, Sophie, for the two good questions this week. Um, Okay, we have probably time here for about one more question. Um, and this, I also thought was a really good one. And I, again, did not write down the name of the person who sent it to me on Instagram, but, um, they asked, what did we feel that we've gained from doing triathlon? And I loved that because that's, there's just so much that can come from that. What do you think, Aaron? What have you gained? For me, the first thing that came to my head was that I gained a chance to redefine my athletic experience. I can look back at my swim career and think of all these like things I would have done differently or all these things that went wrong and all these surgeries I had to have and just the all the disappointments that came along with my swim career that I wasn't able to reframe and celebrate. Um, but now I found triathlon and I get to push myself as an athlete again and push myself to find my potential in sport. And I get to re like, I get to apply all the things I now know about sport into my triathlon training. Um, And so for me, it's just been really cool to kind of be able to redefine my athletic experience and find joy in competing again and find joy and just pushing myself to be the best version of me again in athletics. I love that. I got like goosebumps listening to you. That was amazing. (laughs) Just, I think triathlon is so amazing because you can do it at any age and just get so much out of yourself 
um, in so many different ways. And I think that's why I just fell in love with triathlon and why I coach it now and really stopped coaching swimming, like club swimming and college swimming alone, because I just, I love triathlon and my love for swimming now doesn't really match the love that I have for this sport. Yeah, I agree. There's something about triathlon that is so empowering in that, like you said, anybody, anybody can do triathlon and gain something amazing from it. And everybody has a different experience with it. And they, they gain something, something different from, from, from each person. The power that comes from everybody when you cross that finish line is just unbelievable. So you can't, you can't ignore it. And it's something that you want to be, a, you want to be a part of. And I think that's really cool. Um, and it, it just really elicits this, this huge emotional response from people um, that, that watch it, that, that are part of it, that volunteer for it, that work for it. And I think that's why triathlon is so cool. Um, it's one of the reasons I fell in love with it is because it is just, there's amazing amount of passion in everybody that does it. And I, I think that passion for things is something that is missed a lot in life. And when we get a chance to really explore finding joy in something, then that's, you know, very powerful. I think triathlon's pretty cool, obviously. But you, as you were talking, I kind of like my answer came, was a little bit different at first. Well, not at first; it still is different. But you kind of sparked like a thought for myself because almost a little bit similar. Like I had an athletic career in college before this, and it didn't go very well. Like I was re- recovering from an eating disorder at the time and I had no self-confidence at all in, in it. And I was a good runner, but I never, I always felt like I was never living up to my potential. I feel like triathlon is allowing me to live up to that potential that I always knew was there. Like even in high school and like, I was, I just always had this feeling that there was like this, this athletic potential that I never could tap into. And it's kind of a lot, triathlon's allowing me to do that. Because it's a sport that you don't have to be the most naturally talented, like natural talent is good. But if you also are someone who's extremely dedicated and disciplined and, and through like your, through that, like your love for training and the grind can, can help, help you to tap into that potential. And so I think it's really allowing me to do that, um, which is exciting and not something I actually thought of until you started talking. But more than anything, what triathlon gained for me was a extreme belief in myself because I did not have that for a lot of years. I really struggled with confidence and and would do things because I believed other people wanted me to do them and um, was always trying to please other people because I didn't know how to believe enough to stand up for myself. And triathlon changed that for me. Um, it was just a big confidence booster in this 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 space where I learned to stand up for me. Because in triathlon, if you don't stand up for yourself, you struggle because you have to be willing to be gritty and resilient. And standing up for yourself is, is so key and instrumental in that. And with it, I gained just a lot of power and my own personal power through it. And so for that's what it allowed me to stand up for myself in a lot of ways, like wanting, wanting to start coaching. Like 
lot of people may not know this, but I had a very, very good uh, corporate job before the uh, triathlon coaching, but I was miserable. Um, I was making a lot of money, but I was miserable. And I literally came home one day and I was like, this is not for me. I am going, I want to be a triathlon coach. I want to coach. I want to empower other people to feel the way that I feel with triathlon. And I think I'd make a great coach. I'm going to start my own business. And my husband was like, oh, you mean like on the side? And I said, nope, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to start a business and I'm going to be a triathlon coach. And he was like, what? <laughs> but I believed in myself. I believed I could do it. I believed I could be good at it. And that came from triathlon. Um, I quit my job. I, I did get a side job to help a little bit, but I quit my job and started this business. And here we are eight years later and I coached. 30 to 40 athletes. I've made some of the, my best friends through it. You and I work together and I have, we have this podcast and I know I'm a mental performance coach and I get to meet people all over the world. Like that's what came from triathlon for me. Um, and I wouldn't change it for anything. So triathlon's awesome. We love it. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> <laughs> we might love it even a little too much. Some would say, but that's okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Some would probably say that, especially um, as you guys can tell, I get very animated and excited about it, and I could talk for hours on it. And sometimes I have to be like, Kayla, shut up. Nobody wants to listen to you anymore. <laughs> so, but yeah, that that's kind of what that's what I gained from triathlon. A lot of personal belief, stand up for myself in a lot of ways, and I think that's powerful. So awesome. Well, that actually was our question. We have we uh, we got through almost all of our questions today. Um, I do have to run to go pick up my kids, um, because I promised Skylar that I would not be super late to pick them up from school today. I am solo parenting <laughs> this week. I don't have somebody to pick them up for me because my parents are, I'm solo parenting as a brand in San Francisco and my parents are in Africa. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's this week. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Uh, we'll be back next Happy week. Happy training everybody. Um, yeah. Happy training. Um, if you're racing this weekend, have a great race weekend. I don't think there's, I don't think there's many races this weekend. Um, no, we have some races coming up. Yeah. We have races coming up, uh, 70.3 Oregon, um, uh, which we have a couple where if you take your athletes racing, I'm racing, there's Lake Placid, which, and then I think that might be it for, there's probably some others coming up, but a little bit of a race break here, but then there's a lot, there's a lot coming up here in the next little bit of time. So, um, if you're out racing this weekend, have fun, enjoy yourself. And again, if you want to send us questions, you can at www.whereyoufeettakeyou.com slash podcast. And we'll be back next week to chat all things triathlon life. You can listen to us ramble and we'll see y'all <laughs> next week. Bye everybody.